You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. To Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And the Bucks have another blowout. The Knicks are just, I don't know, I don't even know what to say about the Knicks. They are just an awful franchise right now. And the Bucks beat them <laughs> 132 to 88. Uh, this one was over in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, the Bucks have let a lot of teams back into games this series. So I think we've been kind of conditioned to never get too comfortable, even though obviously the Bucks came into this game 17 and three. So it's, it's not like there has generally been uh you know, too many challenges winning games, but yeah, I mean, they've, they've let teams back into games. You've seen them, obviously some of the games they've lost, but two of the three games they've lost, they had really big leads in and, and blew them. Neither of those games were against the New York Knicks. However. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that team just doesn't look like it has much of an idea about how they're going to be competitive night to night. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I turned on the Knicks-Celtics game uh, yesterday because I saw the Knicks were winning in the fourth quarter. And I thought, ooh, all right, Knicks, how about picking up a random win here over the Celtics? You know, get a little little bit of love against uh, a team that, you know, is, is one of the Bucks' rivals uh, in the East. And then they promptly, as soon as I turned it on, probably just, you know, looked like the team you saw tonight. And so I, I don't know how they were competitive for, you know, 42 minutes or whatever it was against the Celtics yesterday. Uh, but I think certainly today what we saw, um, the Bull, you know, Bucks obviously just controlling this game from the outset uh, and the Knicks just, they, they don't have, they're not a well-constructed roster. I don't, understand really what they try to do i don't know what david fizdale's idea for this team's identity is and they went up against obviously a team in the bucks that is you know just buzzsawing teams and oh yeah by the way they hit a bunch of threes tonight and the knicks couldn't hit stuff and so pretty much perfect storm of of how you get a nearly 50 point blood win for the milwaukee bucks 132 88 so uh yeah a good night for the bucks uh you know offensive and defensive ratings uh certainly a night like this and uh after us complaining about a lot of games that felt too close for comfort you know it's not two straight games that turn into uh complete laughers and, and this one like a laugher felt like a laugher way earlier than than even the last game yeah, you brought up the net rating there. Net rating of forty four <laughs> tonight, and uh, it, I'm, I've I've got the the page up here, and I'm waiting for it to update. But you spoke about it uh, in the last game. A net rating of ten point three coming in, best in the league. Uh, that's going to get a nice little bump again here. I mean, as a as a forty point uh, win will give you. But uh, I noticed that you tweeted out the numbers for Giannis. Uh, I think this was just before um, the the end of the game, or, or maybe you did get the final. But forty one minutes. 
over the last two games, 55 points and 24 rebounds and a plus 48 on the box score for Giannis. So, uh, I mean, 41 minutes is, you know, essentially one night's work and he's just put up 55 and 24. But tonight, and the same as the other, the other night in, the, in the, that blowout win, I mean, we're seeing some, some of the bench guys get some real burn and that's kind of fun. 71 points off the bench tonight, DJ Wilson. Uh, went eight for nine, three for four from three, a career high, 19 points for him. George Hill just uh, continues to just be an absolute flamethrower from three. He was three for four. He had 14 points. And uh, Thanasis just chips in with a little 10-point cameo in in the fourth quarter when, uh, I mean, the game was over probably a, a lot earlier than this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of fun at times. We haven't seen a lot of this. They've been winning games kind of comfortably, but it, it's fun to see some of these other guys get out there and, and do stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably the the most fun way to, you know, manage load during the season is to just destroy teams so badly that you just don't need to play your guys a lot. And uh, we saw Giannis not even crack 20 minutes uh, against the Hornets tonight. He gets 22 minutes. You know, I, I, I heard some people talking about like, oh, why is he even playing like in the early third, third quarter, yeah. right? Which I don't... I don't know if I've ever heard, you know, complaints about a healthy player playing, you know, to start a second half of a blowout, right? Like, I think it's pretty, I I can't really recall a team saying like calling, you know, uncle uh, on an opponent uh, at at halftime uh, before, but, but yeah, did you need to play Giannis in the second half? Probably not. No. Um, But obviously, uh, you know, customary get your starters out there a little bit so we got his his little bit of run there uh, to start the second half chris middleton just 18 minutes so uh you know we'll see when they need to actually um enforce his minutes restriction but certainly didn't matter tonight as he had a really uh a really nice tidy game hit a couple of early threes um off Giannis kick out 16 points on 10 shots in only 18 minutes three assists seven rebounds um he looked really good no turnovers uh, and so, yeah, I mean, your best two players there, 45 points in a combined 40 minutes on tw- 17 to 24 shooting. And, you know, they kind of set the tone for, uh, for the rest of this team. And, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just look at, you mentioned the DJ line, obviously nice to see DJ Wilson getting some, um, normal minutes too. It wasn't just blowout time with yeah. Brooke Lopez getting a second uh, night off, uh, to, uh, to rest up and, and get healthy. Uh, nice to see DJ getting some. I, I, hard to say, call it meaningful burn because this game got out of hand so quickly. But uh, you know, it, it's impossible to judge guys on on kind of this blowout time. I mean, you know, what do you learn playing Dragon Bender with you know Kyle Korver, Thanasis, Dante, uh, you know, and and DJ, right? Like, not a whole lot. You know, like it, it's kind of hard to kind of make sense of what these guys mean when when they're out there with these sort of just random you know end of bench garbage time units. So nice to see DJ out there with you know a more typical type of, of group. And so I think that's obviously I think probably the other big upside here of the past week is, um, and again, I, I'm, I say this assuming that, you know, Brooke, I don't, you know, it's not like we saw Brooke like, Oh, take a nasty hit and now he's injured and he's got to get healthier. I mean, it seems like Brooke, uh, George, you know, we're hearing about a number of guys with kind of like back related sort of soreness um, probably just, you know, again, trying to manage guys and their dings and, 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 try to be proactive about it. And so the fact that, you know, you can rest Brooke, who's the linchpin your defense and just go out and completely destroy, uh, you know, these, these two teams and not even have to play Giannis and Chris much at all. Uh, obviously that's a, just a big plus overall. And um, you know, yeah, getting to, getting to run out some of these, these guys that don't get to play much. 
again, is it a meaningful, uh, you know, look at what they can bring? Probably not. <laughs> um, but it's, it's certainly fun. You know, I mean, watching Giannis cheer for his brother, you know, scoring 10 points against, uh, ironically, you know, the only other team he's played for in the NBA. I mean, that's just a lot of fun, right? I mean, it's, it's gotta be pretty special for, for Giannis to watch his brother playing for his team, going out and doing stuff uh in in an nba game so it's uh it's just fun right and you can't you can't scrutinize these too much and then you know what, what does this mean for the grand scheme of the buck season or anything like that but uh you know again every game matter, every game matters in its own way right and the more you can kind of just rack up these wins now obviously the more freedom you have to to kind of manage things later in the year yeah it's interesting i, I do want to get to brook a little bit because bud did have somewhat of an update i guess i was watching the the pregame show um on on social media before the game but yeah i was listening to uh greg matzek on espn milwaukee and I, they posted one of these clips um this morning and i'm actually not sure who he was with i'm not sure who the other person was but uh that person mentioned that yeah i mean this bucks team because the, the basic the premise of the of the conversation was why are we like sleeping on the bucks the fact that they're 17 and 3 or now 18 and 3 but why are we not uh, you know, giving this as much credit as, credit as it deserves. And we're looking for all these negatives. And we've spoken about this. This is the, the raised expectations for this team. And the person that was with Greg goes, yeah, well, you know, and he was joking when he said this first of all, because, you know, they, they could be actually 20-0. and 0. Uh, they, they gave up those two huge leads and then uh, they lost the, the unlosable in, in Utah from that position. And it's just wild. Like, I was thinking about that when I was watching this domination tonight. I'm like... There is a way that the Bucks could be twenty-one and zero right now, and it would just be—it uh, would just be ridiculous. It's just crazy to think about. They just keep on uh, winning. But with uh, Brook Lopez, I, I believe it was Eric that asked Bud pre-game just about whether you are more cautious with a with a big guy uh, with the back injury. And Bud sort of laughed it off and said, "Well, we've been cautious with George Hill as well, and he's a little guy." But uh, he he mentioned that this was something. Uh, that he sort of put up with last year and he didn't really get a rest. And then, uh, so this was just, they got to a point where they're like, okay, uh, let's get this guy a couple of days off. I mean, we've, we've had such a great start. Um, but it's it's interesting because he mentioned last season and later in, in the season, Brooke was wearing that sort of, uh, I don't know, it was a heat pack or whatever it is on his back. He, he didn't have that at the start of the season, but he started wearing that towards the end of the year when potentially this back started to to bother him a little bit. And now clearly it's carried on into this year. And when I was watching Robin Lopez again tonight, and he didn't hit all the threes that he did the other night, but it, it made me wonder a little bit about this, the the roster construction. And we've spoke a lot about Robin with the second unit and whether the Bucks are going to be more likely or better off to go with some of those smaller lineups. But it did make me think about last year and in the playoffs, what was the there was really no insurance for Brooke, right? Like if he gets hurt or if he gets in early foul trouble, um, I, I kind of like the fact now that, yeah, I mean, if, if Brooke, he doesn't need to play every game. And if he's feeling a little bit sore, yeah, give him a night out, uh, night off, slot Robin in there. It's kind of nice now. They never really had that, that true uh, backup center. And while I don't think that that's going to be necessary every single night, particularly when you're fully healthy, it's kind of nice for Brooke that, hey, we don't need you to play every night. We're just going to slot your brother in here, and he's a he's a starting caliber guy. Yeah, I mean, I think especially from a regular season standpoint, um, you know, sort of sort of that thing, right? Like the if if the goal is a championship, then yeah. probably the ideal is you use your key guys as as little as possible while 
being as good as possible <laughs> in the regular season, right? Like um, <laughs> it's kind of, that's, that's sort of the needle that, that as an organization and a coaching staff, you, you try to thread is, um, you know, yeah, you, you could win more regular season games if, if Giannis played, you know, 35 rather than 33 minutes probably on average. Um, but, you know, you, you obviously are playing the long game here, especially after last season where you proved that you could be right there and that, you know, yeah, you're, you're good enough to compete for a championship. You just, you just got to give yourself that chance to, to be there. And so um, I think with Brooke, it, it was interesting last year. I, I remember, I think Eric and I talking at some point that, you know, since he played 81 games, he only sat out that last game of the regular season it was a little strange because you, you you didn't really have, I mean, obviously we have on off data, but you know, we didn't get to see like any period where the bucks had to start somebody else at center and, and, you know, go with just different rotations than they normally had. Um, and so again, that was a good thing, right? I, I want Brooke Lopez to be fully healthy and be available every game, but, um, but it is sort of interesting, you know, especially given the first year of Brooke in Milwaukee, the first year of Bud and that scheme, you know, it's interesting to ponder, like, how much of this is Brooke Lopez? How much is his system? And, yeah. um, you know, they were still really good with, without Brooke Lopez last year. So it was it's not like, you know, the team like was falling apart when, when Brooke was on the bench or, or something like that. But obviously, you know, if you watch what he did, obviously the shooting mixed with that rim protection were, um, were pretty tremendous last year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I think, I certainly wanted to see Brooke back and why I was happy to see him resign. But, um, you know, on the margins in these games, like tonight, um, it is obviously a, a luxury to be able to say, you know what, like, why, why mess around with this? Right. Let's, let's sit him down. We've got, you know, as we were joking about last game, we have literally his, his DNA copy that we can throw in there. And uh, Robin <coughs> didn't exactly have uh, the same uh, success tonight that he had the other night. Um, but you know, again, against this Knicks team really didn't matter. And, um, you know, uh, I mean, again, Giannis kind of just doing whatever he wanted, getting the, getting the rim, um, hitting three out of four threes. Uh, yeah, just the, the numbers he compiles in 22 minutes are, are pretty absurd. So it probably didn't matter a whole lot who you put next to him. Um, but, uh, but again, I, I think certainly it, it's been encouraging, I think here in the first 20 games to see, obviously, Brooke, when he's not playing, you feel like, yeah, you can still do all the stuff that you think the Bucks can do. Um, and to be clear, too, I want to I want to mention this. I mean, the Bucks um, had really not been good with Robin on the court, um, uh, you know, in this, this this first month and a half of the season. Um, obviously, last game they played very well. I think that probably a lot of that is is just you know, Robin was in some of those all bench lineups, you know, that we bemoaned and, and, and stuff like that. So again, it's, it's kind of hard to compare a, a bench player to a starter sometimes right. just given the personnel they play with isn't the same. That's why, you know, it's always interesting to look at stats like RPM because they try to control for that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously really nice to, to be able to have this, this luxury of just saying, oh, you know what, Hey, DJ Wilson, guess what? You know, next man up, you're actually going to play real minutes tonight. And granted, some of those, a number of his his threes sort of came in in garbage time, given how much of this game was garbage time. But um, you know, eight out of nine from the field, including a bunch of threes. I mean, that's obviously really encouraging to see just him him playing with confidence. And you know, as we've talked about it, it's it's hard to be a player that just doesn't get to play, and then you randomly get your chance because Brook Lopez isn't playing tonight. Um, you know, you don't have necessarily the game reps playing with all these other guys. You don't necessarily have the game reps. Obviously, you're just going against real NBA competition in a game setting. So the fact that, you know, DJ is 
um, starting to look like the guy that obviously a lot of folks were excited about last year. And I think, you know, showed why he can be a rotation player in the NBA and a valuable one at that. Um, you know, fun to see him kind of show it, even if it is in a, in a game that, you know, obviously was not very competitive. Yeah, and just one uh, last point on, on the Lopez brothers there, or the Lopi. Uh, our, uh, our friend Old Resorta tweeted at us last night from uh, yesterday's podcast, and he mentioned, uh, I think it was you, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, Frank, it might have been me, I think it was you, that's, that mentioned uh, you know, the, the, the training wheels in terms of Robin shooting the threes and standing in the corner, and, uh, and, and Old Resorta sort of said, well, that's because he's running to the corner, and maybe Brook Lopez should do a little bit more of that instead of hunting the, the trailer threes, but I, I do think, I mean, a part of that is why Lopez has been so valuable to the offense. You talk about what he does defensively, but if you could rely on Robin Lopez shooting uh, well from five feet behind the, the three-point line in transition, then sure, he'd probably do that as well because if he's someone that he's, his man has to guard out there and Giannis is the one in, in front of him, then uh, you put Giannis in a pretty good position to be able to attack the basket and not have to worry about the opposition big. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's easy to look at it now and say, okay, yeah, Brooks only shooting 28% from three on the season. And and maybe that can be a, a source of frustration given how many how much uh, or how many attempts he has per game from out there. But yeah, I mean that's that's the system. That's why it's worked so well. That's why it makes life a, a little bit easier for Giannis getting in to his spots and, and dunking on everyone. And uh, you you just hope that Brook Lopez starts to knock down more of those. It's this is you know when we talk about uh, Brook shooting threes, we've spoke about this before, uh, Frank, but. You know, this this percentage is is the lowest he's had since he started shooting threes. He's always been around that 34, 35% mark, 36% mark over the last sort of four seasons. So, yeah, I mean, he's in a rut. And I don't know, maybe he is sore. Like, maybe the back is contributing to that somewhat. I'm not really sure. But, yeah, I mean, this has been a, a, an unusual sort of cold stretch for him to start the season. I think um, an interesting thing about sort of the relative positioning, too, that that um, you mentioned with regards to old reserves comment, um, I mean, I think, you know, from a big man perspective, um, like you think about Brooke, right? Um, You know, Brooke moves probably better than maybe a lot of people think he does. But uh, in the grand scheme of the universe, would I rather have Brooke Lopez jogging from, you know, the top of the key to the opposing paint versus having to sprint back from the corner to the opposing paint? You know, that's like uh, kind of like a very like micro sort of you know thing, but um, that <laughs> that's also uh, you know something that I think in terms of like your defense getting set, you know, I think I don't I, I don't think it's completely trivial that your rim protector one on offense doesn't have to run as far to get into the offensive set. A yeah. lot of times, you know, that that trail three is is. Um, something that obviously became kind of a staple of what the Bucks did last year, less success obviously this year. But um, I think certainly also like when he's shooting those, the upside is that he, he doesn't have to run as far to get back on defense or, or to get into the flow on offense. So um, again, that, that may not be a, a huge factor in terms of, you know, the offense, defense, things like that. But it's one of those, <laughs> those small things that just, again, you know, thinking about uh, players and, and and their relative strengths and weaknesses and and ability to go up and down the court. Yeah, that's one of those small things probably better for Brooke if he doesn't have to sprint up and down the court quite so far. Whereas uh, Robin, hey, you know, Robin's also playing far fewer minutes, so maybe he can use a, a little bit more of that cardio. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, like you said, that that seems like uh, such a, a trivial thing in the grand scheme of things. But it, I mean, it's it's real. He is a huge man, you know. And like uh, the the less uh, work he has to do getting up and down the court, I, I feel like is a good thing. But uh, before I move on to, uh, I want to talk about Chris Milton a little bit coming back into the starting lineup. But they have updated. Uh, the net rating. So the Bucks now up to 11.8. <laughs> so they take a, a 1.5 uh, point jump there. So they're at 11.8 in net rating and Toronto is second at 8.8. So uh, yeah, these last two games have been pretty, uh, pretty good for the Bucks uh, net rating. And, and actually defensively now they're tied for number one in the league and they're up to second in the league for offense. So uh yeah, I mean that that would you would probably expect a team with the number two offense and number one defense and, and the, the best net rating by that that wider margin to be uh, a pretty good team and and the Bucks are but yeah Chris Milton comes in to the starting lineup tonight and I I mean I think we both I mean we knew that was going to happen I don't think that was a surprise to anyone but it was interesting another conversation I sort of had uh, with. Paul Pressey, 25, I believe it is. He's, uh, he's uh, off, off Real GM there. He was sort of bringing up the point that he thought that they should keep the, the starting lineup as is. And we've spoke a lot about the fact that we're looking at this Bucks team through the lens of how, what they're going to do in the playoffs. And I think it, it would have been really difficult for me to say, yeah, let's leave Chris Milton in the second unit purely for the for the basis of staggering the lineups because I just think like figure it out, bud. Like get your best players on the on, on the court to start the game and finish the game. And the the example that brought up was was Manu, I guess, which is the one everyone points to when they look at uh, you know, of the guys that can run an offense in the second unit. But I mean he's such a different player to to what Chris Milton is. And the Bucks have their second unit guy that runs the offense in George Hill. Uh, and, you know, the big thing, I think, defensively, like if I think about a matchup, say, this Friday against the the Clippers, you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard out there. I'm just not sure how you could possibly look at a lineup and, and think that Chris Milton is, is better suited to coming off the bench. It just doesn't make a, a, a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that that's also where, where I kind of kind of come out on it. I mean, I think um, I think offensively there's there's. A, a much clearer argument for you know just the automatic yeah. staggering effect you get from bringing Chris off the bench, but you know again I, I think as as you were sort of making the point it's like look Bud can still stagger Chris and Giannis a fair bit even if they are both starting together, and I think tonight I think Chris came out sort of at the six minute mark and then Giannis I think left at the three minute mark of the first quarter. Um, obviously the rest of the game was kind of meaningless to used for rotation purposes but i'm curious if that is just a product of um you know chris's injury and and wanting to kind of manage his his reintegration into things or if they actually do plan to kind of do that more often and then bring chris back later in the first quarter so that you you know stagger them essentially you know to the point where you, you have very little time where Giannis and Chris are, are not on the court together there was still a little bit of window today with where that happened so it's not like they perfectly staggered him or something like that but obviously you know we're talking about Giannis and Chris playing 18 and 22 minutes respectively in a, in a full game of basketball so there was there was plenty of time with with them both resting just by nature of the the virtue of the game situation but at least in the first quarter um you know that it was a little bit of a reverse staggering from what we're used to normally we do see Giannis uh, go to the bench, you know, midway through the first and then come back either late in the first or, or at the end of the, you know, first quarter, start of the second quarter. So we can kind of 
maybe get a little bit of his, I don't know if it's like partly to get rid of his sort of like initial energy burst, which oftentimes he seems like less effective, you know, right when, right off the bat. Um, and then he also just gets to kind of destroy second units when he comes back for that second stint early. So yeah, something to watch, but, but I agree. I think the big thing for me is, just, you know, defensively, um, you know, playing Wes and Dante together uh, at the two, three spots, you're just very short uh, with that combination. And again, in the regular season, most nights, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think when you look at just, you know, look at the, the teams that you're, you're going to be going up against, um, you know, potentially or in, in, in the East finals, um, in the NBA finals, you know, you mentioned the Clippers, obviously, like there's no way I think you want to start the game without Chris Middleton there to defend um, against either, you know, Kawhi or, or Paul George. And then, um, you know, even in the East, right. I mean, um, you know, thinking about some of the size that the Celtics have, for instance, with all their wing players, right. When Hayward Brown and Tatum were all playing, I mean, those guys are, are all pretty significantly like kind of bigger, stronger than, than a guy like DJ or sorry, a guy like, like Dante or, you know, Philly obviously is very big, right? Like their smallest guy is Josh Richardson, who is, you know, very much bigger than, than I think certainly stronger than, than DJ by himself. Right. So yeah. or sorry, I keep saying DJ, you know, him and Dante <laughs> I know are, are, yeah, him and Dante are obviously, you know, best friends, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And then, or, or even the Lakers, right. I mean, um, yeah. I think you want Middleton on the court to, to be probably your main option guarding LeBron just because LeBron is for the most part, you know, kind of playing point guard acting as um, a perimeter player who attacks the rim. Um, you know, if he was more playing like a power forward and being like a post-up guy all the time, then I think Giannis would make a lot more sense. But um, you know, again, I think if you're going to have either Giannis or Chris having to defend on the perimeter and having to go over screens, I think you'd much rather have, um, have Chris doing that than Giannis. So, so again, yeah, I think just from a defensive versatility standpoint in the starting lineup, I think it makes sense to, to have Chris in there. And again, I think though it is a, a good, it has been a good exercise for, I think showing, you know, what those guys, how those, you know, Dante and, and Wes Matthews together can and can't work maybe. Um, and then, you know, obviously uh, if, if it comes to be that you have to play a bit without Chris, uh, you at least know what that looks like. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think it's been obviously a, a good way to get Dante really engaged with, with the offense, get him really a level of comfort that obviously, you know, the first week of the season, the guy didn't play at all. So the fact that um, Chris's injury gave him a chance to play, I think has been a, a big positive. And, um, you know, tonight, another pretty active night, hit some threes, um, did, uh, did a lot of, you know, typical kind of Dante stuff. So hopefully that, that has served its purpose and hopefully you can kind of keep keep benefiting from that moving forward, even if Dante doesn't start anymore. Yeah. And, and that is going to be something interesting to watch because we've seen uh, Dante and, and Giannis have a nice bit of chemistry start to build between them. So, uh, and this isn't uh, totally something that we haven't spoke about because even when Middleton was out, we discussed the possibility that, Hey, this might be kind of good to see, are we going to have more, Bledsoe and Brook minutes when when Giannis is on the bench and and try a, a bunch of different things, which I, I think um, is is what we've seen. And yeah, you pointed to it tonight. I mean, this is more like what we saw last year. Uh, you know, whether whether Giannis or Chris comes out first and they run that that few minutes uh, apart, and then they sort of stagger the lineups from there. I, I just don't think that it's that difficult that you need to start Dante just to to help Bud stagger the lineups. I mean, it's like come on, like you you can figure that out. And uh, yeah, particularly when you get to the playoffs, there's less of that anyway. You want to be playing these guys 
a bit more than you would in a in a regular season game uh, against the Knicks. I mean, it's just it's it wasn't necessary. I mean, tonight Robin Lopez plays more minutes than anyone <laughs> on the Bucks with 22 minutes and 40 seconds. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's well, actually I lie. DJ Wilson played 23. There you go. But uh, it's it it again. It was a little bit difficult, even though you saw at the start. Uh, the way Chris started 10 points in, in the first quarter there and had a nice little dunk, by the way. That was, that was fun to see him sort of laughing with the bench as he was about to, to go up and, and dunk that. I'm not sure whether him and Bledsoe have that, uh, that competition going again, but it certainly looked like uh, he, w- he was having fun out there and, and happy to be back out playing. But yeah, just a, just a weird game tonight. I don't know if you've got any more takeaways. I mean, it's hard to... We've, we've spoke less about a game than I think we have uh, at any other point specifically because, I mean, this is the, it was just complete domination. Pistons up next, and uh, this is a team that the Bucks haven't had much trouble with either. No, I mean, obviously, you know, looking at last year, they get the double sweep. Uh, it's 4-0 in the regular season, 4-0 in the playoffs. Um, that does not happen very much in the NBA. Uh, and obviously already having beaten them uh, this season. But we have not seen Blake Griffin uh, yet uh, playing against the Bucks. Ironically, uh, Blake Griffin, we probably shouldn't have seen at all in the playoffs last year. But, um, you know, he toughed it out and eventually came back and, and put in the the valiant effort trying to, by the way, that, that seemed like, I remember talking to Eric a little bit about this. Um, It seemed like they were almost like keeping the possibility of him playing alive, like purely to sell tickets to those, those first two, uh, those two home games. Um, And then the fact that he actually played, you know, basically on one leg, um, you know, just seemed, I, I don't know. I mean, whatever, like, you know, kudos to Blake for wanting to play. Like it's the playoffs. Obviously nobody wants to, to sit out games. Um, but whether that uh, was really a good idea in the grand scheme of his career for a guy who's already had, you know, a, a fair number of knee injuries, um, you know, the fact that he's kind of hobbled this year, um, I mean, certainly doesn't uh, doesn't speak well of maybe the, the training staff's decision to let him play last year. And I think they, you know, couch it as, oh, he can't really hurt it more. Well, you know, here we are, however many, uh, however many months later. And, it still seems to be an issue, especially kind of back to back. So, um, so I, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what they look like. Obviously, um, you know, Detroit is, uh, uh, it's, it's a road game. So certainly, you know, that, that always makes it a little bit more difficult, but, um, I don't know. I, I keep saying like, well, at some point the Bucks are going <laughs> to lose. Um, and, uh, you know, tonight, uh, definitely not. It was not, not going to be tonight for, you know, not, nothing went kind of against the Bucks and, um, it's felt like a lot of games they've won without really getting things clicking on all cylinders. And tonight um, they probably only needed to be clicking on cylinders for, you know, 15 minutes or so, but uh, it's nice to see that it's there even against a team that, uh, you know, is, uh, is, is the team that you expect to beat. And now it's a matter of obviously just kind of showing that you can do it against better and better competition. And yeah, this week's probably makes sense. You know, the Pistons are definitely better than the Knicks and Clippers are, Clippers are on a whole nother level than, than both those teams. So um, hopefully you take care of business again on Wednesday and then you get the real test on Friday. Well, I do want to put everyone on missing star alert for this game against the Pistons because Detroit are in Cleveland tomorrow. 
and then get the Bucks on, on a back-to-back. And so I was thinking about this today with this Knicks game. I was like, you just do not want to play the Bucks on a back-to-back when they've had a day off. I mean, that is just that is a tough schedule, and that's what the Pistons have got. Uh, yeah, they got the Cavs uh, tomorrow, and then uh, they'll go home and have the Bucks the day after. Blake Griffin hasn't played a back-to-back yet, so uh, we might not see Blake Griffin uh, in this game either. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it has been typically over the last well nine games now. It, it hasn't been close between these two teams. But uh, as long as the Bucks aren't looking ahead too much to the Clippers game, like I feel like uh, most other people are, most Bucks fans are. Uh, it should. Yeah, I mean, you you feel pretty good about that one. You feel like uh, the the Bucks are going to be able to to get the job done there, and then come home and hopefully play a game where all the stars are playing. Yeah, I mean, it will be inter- probably interesting to see in that Pistons game. I mean, even if Brooke doesn't play, uh, we'll be curious to see if. Um, sorry, even if Blake doesn't play, we'll be curious to see if Brooke Lopez plays. Um, given yeah. that you know, I think Brooke has been. Obviously, uh, pretty important to sort of making Drummond. Andre Drummond irrelevant uh, <laughs> for uh, for the Pistons. So, um, you know, against a team obviously like the the Knicks, you don't worry about really kind of the the other side. You know, there's nobody really that you're particularly concerned about from a matchup perspective. Um, but uh, with the Pistons, at least, uh, you know, obviously Blake being the obvious guy, we'll see if he plays. Right, as you mentioned. Um, you know, if you're trying to, I mean, if you're, if you're saying we're, we only want to play Blake in one of these games, I mean, yeah, you, you, you get you probably, against Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. You probably want to just say like, let's, let's really give ourselves the absolute best chance of beating, you know, another bad team, even if it's on the road. And then, Hey, if that means that we kind of have to roll out the B team uh, to play, uh, you know, to play against the the team with the best record in the league, then, I guess that's just the trade-off you make, right? Just to try to maximize the odds of getting one win. So we'll see, uh, you know, the uh, Mike Budenholzer uh, opponent, best opponent player voodoo doll uh, may strike again. Uh, in this case, if, uh, if Blake again doesn't play, but as you said, I mean, that would certainly be kind of fitting with what we've seen so far this year. Yeah, uh, no question. And uh, it, as I said, I think, I think we've uh, spoke enough about the Knicks uh, until uh, next time, but just for some scheduling, Matt Velasquez is jumping on tomorrow. And Frank, I didn't mention this to you. I don't know whether I don't know whether this is something you'll get excited about. I'm not too sure, but Dean is going to be around. I'm trying to. I don't even know where the hell he is in the world right now, but I'm trying to uh, organize something with him Thursday night. So hopefully, hopefully you can you can be around for uh, to pepper Dean with some of his his thoughts from what he's taken from early in the season. I mean, nobody should be forced to talk to Dean by themselves. So I, I guess I have to. <laughs> that was me to, begging you, like, please make sure yeah. that you are around on Thursday. Like, I, I need it. Yeah, yeah. I think well, I'll, I'll have to help you out on that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, um, say hello to to Matt tomorrow. Um, I have nothing to say to Matt. Uh, no, um, I'm <laughs> I'm sure Matt will have some interesting perspectives from Detroit. From, his, from Detroit. yeah, from his travels with the team. Um, and we should I should give a shout out. Uh, I mean, Christian Wood put up 28 points yeah. in the uh, in the Pistons blowout win over the Spurs uh, on Sunday. He has a PER currently of 26.07. So, um, hey, talk all we want, question all we want, whether Christian Wood is you know really a good NBA player. But 
he's very productive when he gets onto a court. Uh, statistically, at least, uh, you can't argue with, um, you know, kind of what he's uh, he's been able to do, just kind of piling up numbers and uh, true shooting percentage of seventy percent. Um, and uh, you know, as as somebody who enjoyed rooting for him in summer league and preseason and random garbage time that he got in, in the G league uh, with the bucks. Um, he is already at a career high in total minutes played this year, 264 minutes in 18 games. So um, Blake Griffin's injuries have, have been at least a positive for Christian Wood. He didn't, didn't look so hot when he played the bucks last time, but uh, yes, for, uh, for those members of the woodlands out there, um, uh, some some nice some ni- a nice storyline coming for Christian Wood out of uh, out of Detroit and uh, again maybe hopefully we'll put that a little bit on pause here uh, when he plays the Bucks but um, that's that is your your Christian Woodlands update for uh, for at least the month. Yeah, so like we we always say, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter with any questions for the podcast if you want to get Frank. He is at Bring Back Christian Wood on twitter you can get you can ask him any questions you need but uh, we, we will we will leave it there for now and speaking of twitter chris johnson he he said uh he brought up the deeminence uh pun tonight on twitter so yeah it was pure deeminence tonight from the from the bucks against the knicks they win by 44 points and uh for frank madden and myself kane Pittman, uh we'll be back tomorrow